Welcome to Soft Landing, the podcast that makes interior design accessible to everyone. Hey guys, I'm Amy. I'm an interior designer, artist, and space planner. I'm here to talk about everything you need to know about interior design, from furniture to finances. I'm sharing over a decade of experience to help you find real design solutions and craft the space of your dreams. Hi there, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Thank you so much for joining me today. I feel like there is so much going on in the world right now, and it can seem almost a little bit irrelevant to be talking about anything other than current events. However, I really feel like when we take agency and ownership over our space and allow ourselves to experience good design, it's an act of radical self-care. And I think that more than anything right now, we all need a little bit of self-care so that we can keep going. So with that, I wanted to talk to you today about something that we interior designers spend so much time obsessing over and crafting, and that is our visual communication styles and techniques. When someone hires an interior designer, they will use a number of different drawings and tools to communicate exactly what the space is going to look like before it gets built. And this is super important. So there are a few reasons why this is super important. Number one, if you're dealing with a build out or a renovation, Before a contractor can give you an accurate price, they need to know exactly what it is that they are pricing. I see plenty of people who go directly to general contractors and give kind of like a verbal description of what they want to do to their homes. And sometimes that works out okay, um, but it does leave a lot of decisions open-ended and hammers can start swinging and you don't even have 100% of your final design and vision finished. And then all of a sudden, precious time and money can get wasted quite easily. And no one really likes to be rushed through the decision-making process. Changes all of a sudden are costing more money than you would expect. And all of a sudden, the faucet you wanted is more than your contractor originally budgeted because you hadn't picked it out beforehand. And it's an extra $200 and an extra four weeks because it's back ordered. You get the picture. Number two, all these design decisions that you make for your space are supposed to work together to create a cohesive experience, both visually for you, but also functionally. And the approach that works best is to have a clear roadmap charted out before you set sail on your renovation voyage. Being able to clearly see all of the selections and choices laid out in front of you, and then for you to be able to give a final okay before anything is built is always the best route to go. And 
It allows you to understand how all of the different elements of your space will look together when everything is done. Of course, there will always be little changes and decisions that pop up along the way, but when you work with an interior designer, they will help you minimize those by getting your ducks in a row before turning your living room into an active construction site. Now, this applies to projects that would not involve a general contractor of any kind. If you know you're simply painting a couple of walls and picking out a little bit of furniture, it still really helps to have what you're going to do documented clearly for you to see and understand. If you invest in a really amazing sectional sofa and you order it and then all of a sudden you realize you wanted to have a sleeper bed and you didn't even think about that, sometimes it's too late to go back and make those changes or they just end up being super costly. So interior designers work with you to communicate and memorialize all of these design decisions. As designers, most of us have a natural ability to visualize things in three dimensions very easily. My specific intelligence definitely lies in the realm of understanding three-dimensionally. I have lots of other types of intelligence that I'm not so great at, for instance, and this is actually a little bit of a stereotype amongst designers and architects, but I cannot spell to save my life. I have slight dyslexia and I often send emails that are missing words or have words switched around in the sentence. It's so embarrassing, but I can visualize exactly what two paint colors will look like together in a room. I have a lot of really intelligent clients who are mathematical wizards, who are literary geniuses, who are amazing speakers and excellent deal negotiators, but many of them cannot understand what a pattern fabric will look like on a sofa. And that's where visual communication comes in to save the day. Designers also have the experience of seeing things move from paper to reality to know when something might sound like a good idea, but wouldn't be as beautiful as a finished product. So today, I want to walk you through the different types of tools that interior designers use and how you can work with them, whether you're working with an interior designer or not, to get a clear picture of your space in the future. One of the first things that a designer will show you in the design process, depending on the scope, of course, is a floor plan. Now, floor plans are often referred to as blueprints, and I wanted to give you a little fun fact about where that term comes from. So, back in the 1800s, when most architectural drawings were drawn by hand with a pen or a pencil on paper or vellum, which is kind of like this uh, shiny paper that architects use, 
a rapid and cost-effective way to reproduce a hand drawing was to use a contact print process that was on light-sensitive paper sheets. And essentially, what you're seeing with a true blueprint is white lines on a blue background, which is a negative of the original drawing, which is black lines on a white background. And of course, this was used because it was so cost effective and you only have one original hand-drawn copy of whatever the floor plan is. But now, of course, like everything else, 90% of what we're drawing as designers is on the computer and we just print to a regular printer that's in black and white. So the term blueprint is kind of an old-fashioned term for what we designers today refer to as a floor plan. While I spend the majority of my days staring at and drawing floor plans, most people are not familiar with reading these, and they can be a little bit confusing if you haven't seen one before. But a helpful way to think of a floor plan is just like a map. Floor plans show the relationships of one thing to another from a bird's eye view. So it can show where your kitchen is in relationship to your bedroom, but it will also show more details like where your sofa is in relation to your dining room. What you really want to lean on your interior designer for is to be your GPS in reference to this map. They will talk you through every twist and turn and every placement and make sure that you are understanding things like scale, keeping the right amount of space between different elements so nothing feels too tight, but also maximizing every available square inch of your space. Unlike a regular map that you see of streets that are already built, a floor plan is developed beforehand. So you have the opportunity to move things around and change them, especially early on. This gets harder further down the road as purchases start being made and contractors start getting involved. Changes will start to have price tags associated with them. That's just a little something to keep in mind and all that to say that it's best to really get the planning of your space in a good place before you get too far down the road. So you understanding what a floor plan translates to in reality is super important. If you aren't working with a designer and you're going the DIY route, Using a floor plan to solidify your vision can be super helpful, and you can create one very easily using pretty simple household items. I would say the one kind of special thing you might need to get is some gridded paper, which you can pick up at a craft store or an art supply shop. The important thing to keep in mind is that every floor plan that you see is drawn representing the exact measurements of your space, except it's shrunken down. So the scale of a floor plan will vary and designers will usually note what the scale is. You'll see things that say 1 16th of an inch equals a foot on the drawing. And you can mimic this with your grid paper by saying that every two blocks on the grid paper is equal to a foot in real life and then start measuring away. This will help you 
sure that what you want to do will fit. And it's a lot less tiring than moving all of your furniture around five different ways just to see how it looks. If even the idea of drawing on a sheet of grid paper feels a little bit intimidating, one of my absolute favorite space planning tricks is to use different size post-its. So you can go to an office supply store or even just open up your desk drawer and pull out a few different sizes of post-its. If you don't have different size post-its, you can always cut up a few that you have so that they're different sizes and use whatever scale you've set out on your grid paper to scale the post-it to be the same size as a piece of furniture in your space or a piece of furniture that you're going to buy. That way, you can move the post-its all around the grid paper. The grid paper is essentially your room and the post-its are your pieces of furniture and you can pick them up, move them around, take pictures of layouts that you like and it's super low commitment. You don't have to be able to draw. I would definitely recommend labeling your post-its like write the word sofa, write the word coffee table on each post-it and it really helps you visualize all the different configurations that you might have in your mind. Like if you have a big armoire that you want to move, but you know it would be really labor intensive and annoying to do, this is a great way to help you figure out if moving it where you're thinking would actually even work because you move the armoire, well, where does the bed go then? And you'll see the chain reaction of events as you move things around. It's a great exercise and honestly, I still do it at work sometimes. It really allows you to visualize all of the things you have in your space without getting too involved and having to drop an elaborate floor plan. When your floor plan is in a fairly good place and maybe within the realm of being approved by you, the client, your interior designer may start showing you what we refer to as elevations. Elevations are two-dimensional drawings of walls and their associated custom shelving, millwork, cabinetry, furniture, and sometimes accessories. Elevations are very different from a floor plan because rather than looking down on the space, you're staring straight at it. So you'll see heights of things like countertops, ceilings, windows, and doors. Elevations are a great way to demonstrate how spaces connect to each other in the vertical plane. And they're also very important to visualize the vertical layout of the wall. So for instance, if you were being very meticulous about how you laid out a bookshelf, you would want to draw everything out first as an elevation. I think probably the most common usage of this would be if you have a picture or gallery wall and you have very precise dimensions, your framed artwork. You want to be extremely intentional about how each piece of art is arranged and what's next to it, what the height is, how it's hung. This is definitely something that you could study by yourself or with your interior designer in an elevation. And of course, this also gets into things like kitchen cabinets that you would want to have an understanding of how you will see the vertical layout of all the doors, drawers, and shelves. 
sometimes you can look at these design elements in elevation, but one of the drawbacks to this type of drawing is that it isolates a single specific wall and it doesn't put it in context of the other walls in the room. So for special spaces that are being given a lot of design, detail, and attention, an interior designer will create a three-dimensional rendering of the space. Back in the old days, these were drawn by hand using perspective drawing techniques, and the materials were drawn with markers or watercolor or colored pencils. They're actually really fun to look at. Uh, there are tons of great books that have just exceptionally beautiful old interior renderings that are done by hand, and it's a really special skill set. The people who create them are true artists, and there are people who dedicated their entire careers just to doing drawings and renderings. Today, there are many very advanced computer programs that are able to render a space based on exact dimensions, materials, and lighting qualities that produce an image that is so realistic looking it can be mistaken for a photograph. Many clients need this level of photorealistic documentation to truly understand what their space will look like. However, that being said, I tend to shy away from using this technique. I think using 3D renderings is a great way to communicate what a space will look like, but I like the rendering style to be a little sketchy that leaves a little bit more to the imagination. And the reason for this is that you can make a rendering look as realistic as you want. But the fact of the matter is some small thing always changes, whether it's in the construction process or even just in the sheer task of purchasing furniture. You may end up swapping something out and things will always look a little bit different. By showing a photorealistic rendering, sometimes it can be misleading to the client if anything does change along the road and the final space doesn't end up exactly like the rendering, it can create a sense of disappointment. When a 3D rendering still has that hand drawing quality, it helps clients understand that this is a representation of the final space, but not an exact replica. One of the tricky things about 3D renderings is that they are static, or in other words, they are looking at one specific vantage point. And a lot of times my clients have the desire to move around the virtual room and see what's in every nook and cranny. So for bigger projects, a lot of times what we'll create are animations or fly-throughs that go through a path in the three-dimensional model and show the flow of spaces and how it would feel to walk through them. This is a really good tool if you're having a really hard time understanding what your space is going to feel like. Even just having the option to glance around the room can help a lot, but these are extremely time-consuming to create. So just know that if you ever request this from an interior designer, there's certainly a time and money impact associated with them. 
I think on the opposite side of the spectrum in terms of technology and cost, one of the really good ways to get a true understanding of what your project is going to feel like is to visit other projects that have been completed recently that may have similar layouts or designs to what you're planning on doing. If you're working with an interior designer, you can ask them if they have any recently completed projects that you could take a tour of, or you can also do your own research online of public spaces like hotel lobbies or restaurants and go into them with a designer's mindset. Be looking for details, look at layout, look at the way materials work together. This more than anything else is going to give you an understanding of what you want and how your space will truly look. There really is something about that hands-on experience that is so priceless. And most importantly, if you are working with an interior designer and the drawings they're showing you aren't clicking in your brain for whatever reason, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Ask questions. Where things don't make sense, let them know. And they'll be able to walk you through exactly what they're planning and how they're going to make your space so much better. There are so many different techniques and ways of explaining a design to a client. But the most important thing is that you have a clear and open communication channel with your designer. I hope you found this helpful. Whether you're working with an interior designer or you're taking the do-it-yourself approach, these visualization techniques can be super helpful in order to get your space planned and clear in your brain before you jump into the process of shopping, buying, constructing, all of those fun things. And I just wanted to say, I appreciate you all so much and all of your support. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please feel free to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. And I'll see you in our next episode. Bye.